<clears throat> Greetings in the name of Jesus from the Living Hope Christian Fellowship of Cyprus. We are very grateful that you turn on to this recording, this podcast, and I trust and pray that you be blessed not by what I say, but what God's Word says. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that there is power in your word. And as we talk about a very familiar subject, I pray that you will give us new insights into the depth and importance and meaning of this. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, from Romans chapter 6, we, are going, we have entitled this sermon, New Baptism. Baptism is not a new word. It was a practice even from the Old Testament. This was the procedure whereby Gentiles, after observing how the Jews worshipped to their understanding the true God with the miracles and the holy lives of many, they have decided to join Judaism. And one way was to be baptized. And we see how this happened in the example of the Ethiopian eunuch. He was the, one of the officers of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And he had gone to Jerusalem. And as he was leaving Jerusalem, God told Philip to approach. This eunuch was riding on a chariot. But because the eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53, he was not riding fast. It was just running, I think, on a truck. And uh, even until today, the Jews, when they hold the scriptures, it's not like a book that we hold today. It's a scroll. And uh, some have not the whole Old Testament, Primarily, it is the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible, especially written by Moses. Some have the prophets, some have the Psalms, and some other parts of the Old Testament. Now, this eunuch was hold, holding Isaiah 53. Why was he given Isaiah 53? It is not said in the Bible why, but... Now, as I read from the weekly Messianic Bible that I received, their broadcast, they say that the Jews until today reject, reject that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still looking forward to the Messiah coming. And particularly in Isaiah 53, talks about he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and by our chastisements we are healed. Only like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When they read that, they look to a forthcoming Messiah. But when Jesus said he was the fulfillment, no, they turn it down. And so it could be that this record is in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 
He was given the portion coming from Isaiah 53, also written on a scroll. And what they do is there is a middle part like a wood and the scroll is attached to it. And there is also a cover called the ark. And a person can travel with it without harming the scroll. Now they're very careful about handling the sacred scripture. And so I think this is what the Ethiopian eunuch was holding. And so it was not, for a long time I thought that uh, Philip was a very good runner to run after the chariot. No, the young Ethiopian eunuch was reading. And so when Philip came to him and said, he asked, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch said, how will I know unless somebody will explain it to me? And God's word said in Acts chapters 8, And Philip preached to him the Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Philip did not preach the doctrine of the Jews. He preached Jesus. And as they were going along, they came to an oasis. An oasis is a place in the desert where there is water. And this is where people go, who travelers. They know where the o oasis are that God has provided, that they can drink water. And not only for them, but even for the animal, the horse or the camel that they are using. And along with this oasis are palm trees. And so coming there, the eunuch asked, what keeps me from being baptized? Well, Jesus, Philip said, do you believe? Just a simple question. And the reply of the eunuch said, I believe on Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And the record says that both Philip and this eunuch got into the water. And Philip baptized the eunuch. And as they got out of the water, the Holy Spirit just took Philip and brought him to a sotus. With that, the eunuch was so impressed. Wow, this is for real. Now that's for the introduction. Now we come to our study of baptism, the meaning, the implications, and the applications of baptism. Now we'll find out what really is the meaning of baptism. And so I'm reading from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 16. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, as we are buried with him by baptism into death, and like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of death might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. 
For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. These first few verses that we read to you in Romans chapter 6 brings up four points. The first point is for you to know. The word know is repeated. In a number of times, we find that in verse 6, Know ye, know this, that the old man is crucified with Christ. The next is in verse 9, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. And the last word in verse 16, Know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. So, first in baptism, we just don't go get you into the water and baptize a person, we got to know first what it is. It is identifying verse 6, verses 3, 5, 6, 7, and 8 is dying or being crucified with Christ. And then secondly, in verses 4 and 5, we are buried or planted together with Christ into death. This is a goodbye to sin to relationship up to the world, and even to selfishness or self-involved in self. But it is now for Christ. And then verse 4 and 5 again, we are now resurrected with Christ. The symbol of putting into the water is dying with Christ, buried with Christ, and when getting out of the water, resurrected with Christ. And in verse 16, Know ye not that is whom you yield yourself servants away. It is now a transfer of loyalty, no longer to self, sin, and the devil, and worldliness, but it is now become servant of God. We are now yielding to Christ. Now the next word is in verses 11 and 12. Just one word. Likewise reckon ye yourselves. Verse 11 and 12 reads, Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the last thereof. Now we see here, it's reckoning, or another word is consider yourself to be in dead indeed, truly dead to sin. Just like when a person gets married, before he got married, there's one a, a statement that some young people say, first you collect, then you select. The meaning to say, he becomes a friend to as many ladies as possible for him to know them and for them to know him. And then finally, there is that vibes, that connection. And so he finally makes his choice. And he makes his choice, he marries one of them. And so by marrying, it says, and forsaking all others, give yourself alone to your wife or to your husband. So this person who is marrying is now considering dead to the rest of the ladies or to the last of the men. He is now alive to his spouse. And so it is with Christ. We reckon ourselves now 
connected, closely related to one, one major person, and that is Jesus Christ. And that means to be dead is indeed to sin. We are not subjected to the temptation of sin. We are non-responsive. No matter how other ladies might wink or smile at you, no, the loyalty is to your spouse alone. And the verse 12 again is alive unto God. Hallelujah. Alive to your spouse, to your husband or your wife. Thank God. What a beautiful picture, a reckoning. It's an act of the mind, the, the understanding, the conception of relationship, responding, and loyalty. But there's still another word that is deeper. It is verses 13 to 15. It says in 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves only unto God, as those are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law? but under grace, God forbid. So we see here, yielding is now the application of your uh, commitment. It is now the act of the will. You will only be the husband of one wife, and you'll be the wife of one husband. All these are just friends. And uh, the commitment, the loyalty, they're alone. Now, spiritually, By yielding only, the, says the members, talks about your eyes, what you like to concentrate on watching on television, reading, what you hear, what you want to listen to, the music and the conversations of other people, the topics you talk about, your tongue, your hands, your feet, where your feet will take you. It's only yielded to God alone, not responding to the opportunities of sin or the pleasures of this world, but only to righteousness. That's instrument of righteousness to God. So we see here, it goes beyond what uh, we do with just knowing or just reckoning, but now it is the yielding. Not yield not to instruments of unrighteousness, but yielding alone to God and righteousness. That doesn't end there. The last is thanks. Verses 17 to 23. Verse 17 starts, But God be thanked that you were the servant, you were before the servants of sin, but now you have obeyed from the heart that form of teaching or doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, He became the servant of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity in your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members or parts of your body as servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, your eyes, your ears, your lips, your hands, your body, your feet, unto only righteousness and holiness. Verse 20, 
For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Well, you're walking in sin, you're not walking in righteousness. Then verse 21, What fruit had ye? Then in those things whereof ye were now ashamed of. For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, and now become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. To summarize, verse 23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. So we see here, the, we are thankful to God. We are no longer a servant of sins. Sins obedience from the heart that we have learned about the teaching from God's word. Secondly, in verse 18, we are freed from the bondage of sin to become servants of righteousness. We are now serving righteousness, not sin and unrighteousness. And then in 19 and 20, instead of being servants of uncleanness, we have now become servants of righteousness. A turnaround. Verses 21 and 23, we are now freed from the fear of death. When a person is living in sin, there is one great fear. What is beyond that door of death? There is fear in the heart. But if we have turned away and given our life to God, as it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will experience, you will prove, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And you'll be able to say with David in Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a wonderful security. That's a wonderful confidence. That's a wonderful peace that one who has Christ in his heart and now transformed, he knows when he goes for baptism, he knows what it is to die with Christ, to be buried with Christ, and to resurrect with Christ. Resurrect from the sinful life of this world and to reckon to be dead to sin but alive to God and then yield all the members of the body only to God, not to sin anymore, especially the mind. And now we have that peace. Thankful to God. What a wonderful life I am now living. Living for God and with God today and tomorrow. I'll be fellowshipping with God forever. Now in conclusion, every believer who seriously considers baptism may fall into any of three categories. Number one, total misconception leading to the intention of human recognition or acceptance. Meaning to say, now he has accepted Christ. Then in mind will be, what church will I join? What denomination will I join? And uh, to become a member of the church officially, sometimes the condition is, be baptized first. And so a person is baptized to a church, a local church, or to a denomination. 
So that is not the main meaning of baptism. Secondly, a shallow understanding of the true implication of baptism. Okay? A person, I'm now baptized. I am now a true child of God. I am sure to go to heaven. Baptism is no security or like a promise, a solid promise. No, you're not going to heaven. No, it's just a symbol, a commitment, identification with Christ, dying with Christ, buried with Christ, rise again with God, rising again with Christ, and to serve Christ for the end of life, until the end of life. And thirdly, proper understanding of the biblical teaching of baptism. And so, when one is born again, and he is growing in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and understanding what baptism is, knowing that it is dying with Christ, buried with Christ, and alive with Christ, and then considering that uh, there is that commitment to Christ, Then thirdly, yielding to Christ. Now, he's not rejoicing in Jesus Christ because the Spirit witnesses with his Spirit that he is a child of God. For those in categories of A and B, in the Philippines, they have the baptismal instruction, sometimes two months, six or eight lessons. And they want to be sure, they want to be baptized, understands he's not just getting wet, But he is giving himself to Jesus Christ, identifying with the knowing, reckoning, yielding, and then living a life of thankfulness to God. And then on the third category, it has not been learned about baptism, but have not submitted to baptism. So, if that is you who has now known Jesus Christ, and understands what baptism is, but have not submitted yet to baptism, why not? Go to your pastor, or ask a friend, does he know a pastor? Maybe you have not yet a member of the local church. I want to be baptized. Knowing what it means, I'm reckoning myself indeed to be dead to sin and alive to God, and I will yield my whole body to Christ alone, no longer to this world and sin. And then why not do that? and walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And then, in the fourth baptism, you can help others to understand the meaning of baptism as you have really understood it and you committed yourself to baptism and you can explain to them too. Praise the Lord. And I trust that you'll have this in your heart and go back to Romans chapter 6 and find those key words, knowing, reckoning, yielding, and thanking. The end result will be a life of joy and confidence and thanking God. Gratitude to God, for now you're a child of God. But as many as receive Him, to them gave He power to become children of God, even to them that believe on His name. Hallelujah. John 1.12. God bless you.